You are now tuned in to Behind the Confidence Smile, the podcast, where we talk about what's behind your smile. No longer suffering in silence and truly walking in your purpose daily. I am your host, Bianca Cotton, wife, mom, author, poet, speaker, and hope dealer. I am on a journey to help women walk in love, live in hope, and be healed from past hurts. Join me on this journey of revealing what's behind your smile. We have special guests, some poetry, and inspiration. Now let's start the show. Hello, hello, hello. You all are in for a treat. I have Nicola K. Brown with us today for Behind the Confidence Now, the podcast where we help women uh, who are suffering in silence to break free uh, and deal hope, right? So she is a licensed independent clinical social worker in Washington, D.C. She's also the founder and president of Kahila Restoration Ministries, LLC, a faith-based wellness company. We are definitely going to dig in um, more later. She has earned her master's in social work from the University of Maryland, Baltimore, and clinical mental health with specialization in employee assistance programs and program management. Nicole is passionate about incorporating clinical evidence-based practices with biblical principles to help her clients on their healing journey. Are y'all on y'all healing journey? Maybe we can get some tips today on how to continue to heal. She has created several coaching programs and books for women of faith that help them to develop deeper intimacy with God. Uh, And the author of several books, Sabbath Season, A Call to Rest, which I might need a little bit more of that, uh, Rest, Overcoming Spiritual Burnout, and God's Presence in Grief, A Prayer Journal. So welcome, Nicola. I'm so excited to have you here today. Wow. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be with you and your audience. Awesome. Awesome. So let's dig right in. You you are a dynamic, beautiful, God-fearing woman. What's behind your smile? And I love to ask this question because oftentimes women, we hide behind our smiles. We, we are suffering behind our smiles. We um, are overwhelmed behind our smiles. We mm-hmm. may be confused behind our smiles. And mm-hmm. so what's behind yours? Mm-hmm. Yes, I love that question. And it's such a, a great question for me in this season of my life, because um, I haven't really talked about this a lot, but I'll share on your podcast <laughs> for really the first time really talking about it publicly. Um, but I had a mini stroke in, um, in December 
And what's funny about your question was well, not funny, but ironic is that part of my smile changed. And I'm um, someone who always was known for their smile. And what's interesting was learning how to love myself when I, I didn't see I didn't see myself the way I used to. I look different. <laughs> My smile is a little different. And so what's behind this smile right now is learning how to love myself through this season of my life. Um, learning how to have gratitude that I can still smile, that I'm not paralyzed, that I don't have a lot of the um, issues that uh, can sometimes come with a stroke. Um, so yeah, so I thought about that question. I was like, wow, I probably need to talk about this. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, because I, I initially after the stroke, I didn't feel confident um at all. And I really struggled with even looking at myself. So um part of this season has been about learning how to love myself again as I am. So behind the smile is um, it's it's a journey of, of uh, self love and restoration. Um, there's a lot more complexity to it um, because I was on a self love journey before this happened, <laughs> and um, I think God um, just allowed me to take it a, another uh, level deeper. Oh wow. Thank you for sharing so much and um, being transparent and vulnerable with what's really behind your smile. Uh, and I can only imagine uh, what your process has been like from December to now. It's only been, you know, a few a few months. Mm -hmm. In yeah. retrospect, right? And yeah. to say I'm on a self-love journey again, mm -hmm. I'm, I feel like I even needed to hear that. <laughs> like, you know, we love ourselves and sometimes we love our, our past selves, but mm -hmm. we, mm -hmm. we have to continue to love ourselves and love our current selves. So how, mm -hmm. how are like, what does that look like to say, I'm on a self-love mm -hmm. journey again? What, what does that mm -hmm. look like day to day for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think in the very beginning, um, it was extremely emotional. You know, I think it was, there's a grieving process. Whenever we lose anything and you, you think about, you know, oh, I don't want to be superficial. I'm supposed to be a Christian and just love God. <laughs> but no, something physically changed and I had to accept that and, and go through a grieving process. Just like you said, you know, your past self, like grieving my past smile, even like how I look in pictures or how I look the reflection um, I see back in the mirror. So I had to, I thought it would be to have gone through this experience and to come out not able to love myself would be um, a loss. 
in a sense, because even though it was a difficult experience, um, God kept me. I'm still here. <laughs> like I'm still talking. I can still smile. Um, there's just so many things that I'm still so grateful for. But if I only focused on what I lost rather than what still remains, uh, I would have missed out on an opportunity to grow. And so for me, it's been a constant journey of shifting. Well, first, allowing myself to grieve and not being sad or, or feeling guilty about the loss that I experienced, but also making sure I was including all the things I still have that remains, um, that is still a blessing in my life. So I, I'm, I'm balancing it out um, by seeing what's good, <laughs> uh, what I still can do, what, what um, experiences I still can have. Um, so the self-love journey in this season um, includes a lot of uh, meditation and reflection. Um, and I know that's something we'll probably talk about a little bit more, but just a, a lot more internal work um, that I, I'm presently, presently doing. We can definitely go there like with internal work, right? And uh, even mm -hmm. you sharing like what led you to create and, and launch Kahila mm -hmm. Restoration Ministries. Like what mm -hmm. was going on? and your life at that time where mm -hmm. you're like okay I want to help other people <laughs> yeah that's a great question uh you know sometimes you know God has us go through things and we don't know why when we're in the middle of what we're going through and then over time he slowly starts to reveal to us you know what his intention is for us like what what the purpose of that painful experience was for and for me that this ministry has been birthed out of pain uh, going through some painful experiences in my life um, that required healing and healing not just you know praying and, and jumping around in church but therapy um, I need to go to therapy as a therapist <laughs> And, you know, some, sometimes people don't realize like therapists do have therapists <laughs> because there is no perfect person that has it all together all the time. There just, there is no person like that. Uh, and, you know, the one person we know of it is, is Jesus and, and he's God. So for us, um, it's, it's making sure that we're getting the help that we need. But for me specifically, um, I had to deal with some childhood trauma that was still lingering and it, it became very apparent while I was in a dating relationship actually. And, you know, God pretty much told me to let the relationship go and I didn't want to. <laughs> um, and so there was a, a wrestling there and eventually I did. And when I did let it go, it was like the floodgates opened, you know, of like just dealing with a lot of um, realizing that I needed to deal with a lot of my childhood issues um, that were showing up in the relationship. But just 
as I was evolving into my womanhood, I just realized like I have things that I've never really talked about to people. I've never, I've never shared certain things about, about my trauma. Um, and even though I was in a space where I was helping other people, I recognized that I needed help as well. And so as I was doing that work, um, um, I took a sabbatical and that connects to the book. <laughs> um, I took um, pretty much a year off, but technically it was like nine months officially. Um, and I, I literally went to therapy. That was my job. <laughs> I went to therapy, I rested, I traveled a little bit, I um, got clarity on certain certain things that, I, that God was calling me to do. And in that year was when it became clear to me, it, like God was connecting the dots in my life. Like, you know, part of why you're in this field, part of why you chose this, like you didn't you didn't um, consciously know some of the reasons why you were doing certain things, but God just made it evidently clear, abundantly clear that this is what he was calling me towards. And so I actually wrote the name of this, this ministry, ministry down during that year that I took the sabbatical and I didn't form this, this, this ministry until years later. That's amazing. And oh my gosh, like to, to know that you took nearly a year off. So when you say you had a sabbatical, you took a year off, did you um, stop working during that time? Yes. Yep. Yep. I did not have a job. Um, and, and just a little bit of backstory. That's, that's a good uh point of observation because that's most people can't do that you know just like drop work but I had been saving because I thought I was getting married <laughs> so this relationship was progressing towards marriage so I was preparing he was preparing doing his thing and so I had been saving like a, a significant amount of money so by the time it was time for me to take this or God was making it clear. I needed to take this time. I had at least six to nine months living expenses um, that allowed me to do that. Now I didn't know that's what I was doing that for. Right. <laughs> I clearly thought this was for, um, for us starting our lives together, but um, you know, God clearly had other plans. That. Oh my gosh, like my mouth is dropping. <laughs> One, because God is so strategic, right? So strategic. Mm -hmm. You thought you were, uh, you know, about to get married, you saving, you're being diligent in that way for mm -hmm. that. But he mm -hmm. uses it for something else. It kind of reminds me, have you watched Harriet? Have you seen it? Um, that movie? Yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Exactly what you just said reminds me of the scene in Harriet when she she had went to freedom, right? And she came back for her husband mm -hmm. only to find that he had got mm -hmm. married again because mm -hmm. he thought that she died when she jumped over into mm -hmm. the water. 
And when mm-hmm. word actually got back, when she sent word back, it was like a little too late. And she came back to mm-hmm. discover that. And God showed her, he actually brought her back mm-hmm. to bring not just one person to freedom, but a group of people to freedom. Mm-hmm. And in and, and her, yeah. mm-hmm. and her desire to want to be with her, her husband, God planted purpose. Mm-hmm. And so what you just said, it just gave me chills. I'm like, oh my gosh, OMG. Mm-hmm. Wow. So mm-hmm. what happens next, mm-hmm. like after your sabbatical? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> the movie continues, I know. Um, so what happened? So after the sabbatical, um, while I was in therapy, I continued therapy. It was very intense. Like my father came, my father lived in Canada. Um, so my father came to a session, my mom um, came to a session. And, you know, looking back on it, I'm like, they were really brave because, <laughs> you know, my, I'm Jamaican. And so, um, you know, the Caribbean culture doesn't really embrace therapy um, or people getting into your family business and things like that. But they were willing to um to do that in order to help in my healing journey. Um, so there was some restoration of some of the relationships specifically with my mom that really was um, a part of what I needed to, to see happen in order for me to, to move on. Because some, some of the things I was concerned about was how could I have a family my own family, having not resolved some of the things that happened in in my family of origin. And so so I just continued to do the healing work. Uh, My therapist and I were talking, he he always um, recommended I journal um, what was happening. And so eventually it was a conversation about, you know, what I was journaling, what I was writing, becoming a book and, um, and really how unique this experience was because, you know, taking a sabbatical is so unfamiliar to people, even people in the church who are supposed to have some, some semblance of an understanding of the Sabbath and the Sabbath year. Um, but it was a foreign concept to a lot of people and a lot of people didn't really understand what I was doing. And I honestly didn't fully understand what I was doing either. I was just, you know, taking one step at a time, one day at a time, living by faith. And people saw me, like, (laughs) I, I saw a meme where it's like, you know, people think that healing looks like running through the, running through the fields of flowers. And then it's like, this is what healing looks like. And it's, you know, someone with tears down their face and their hair might be messed up or whatever. And I definitely was the person with the tears on their face and looking a little disheveled coming to church because in the healing process, you know, that you go through some depressive states because you're, you're going back to deal with things that you've suppressed. And so people were looking at me, looking at my life and asking what was going on. But as I began to, to really heal and repair and you know do the work with my mom and with my dad and 
people were starting to see the fruit um, of what my life was becoming, they were, they were curious. <laughs> and especially after I wrote the book. So the next thing that happened was really, the next major thing was really publishing my book. Um, and that is where I kind of chronicled my journey during that year and all the things that God was, was forcing me in a loving way to deal with and to address, but also teaching me about this concept and why it was so important and why it was so critical to the healing journey. Um, and it was something I wasn't familiar with. Um, but since I went through the experience, I know several of my friends have, have taken a similar journey on their healing journey by taking a sabbatical as well. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, really, I, I've um, thought about what would life be like if I could take a sabbatical? <laughs> like if I could just take even if it's a month, right, mm -hmm. um, to slow down, mm -hmm. like to slow down mm -hmm. uh, how fruitful that could be in my life. So I often pray that God showed me how to have moments in my day to do that mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and, and, and show me. Um, but that's, that is amazing. That's beautiful. And what I mean by beautiful is that it's, it's raw, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's, you're able to say, you know what? This is what I did. This is how God took me through my journey. Your journey may look different, mm -hmm. um, but we are, we are all on a similar path. And mm -hmm. so you say you wrote down the name for your ministry, but it came years later. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So what was the turning point where you like, okay, I had my sabbatical, I'm in therapy, mm -hmm. I went back to school, now I want to do ministry full time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I, I had already finished. So when, when I start, when I took my sabbatical, I was probably two years out of grad school. And um, in the way that the, the clinical licensure processes, you kind of have to have two years where you work under someone and then you could take a board exam. And that after you take that board exam, you're licensed to practice independently. Mm -hmm. So during my sabbatical, I actually took that board exam, uh, but I didn't do anything with it right away. I just thought, oh, I'm just gonna get another job. And when it's over, I'll just, I'm just going to look for another job. And there was a lot of anxiety within me about, okay, what's next? What's next? You know, I need to get a job. My money's running out. Like, what am I going to do, God? You know, this was nice, but <laughs> who, 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 who's going to pay my bills? And so I was living in, um, in uh, DC, which is a bit pricey, but um, God, hooked me up I had a I had a pretty reasonable um affordable place and I had paid off my car so I was I was okay but I did have a lot of anxiety around what's next so what I did was I ended up getting a job I, I got a job at um, a mental health clinic 
I think that was the, the first job. No, I got a job with someone who had a, a consulting business and did some consulting work with her. Then I worked at a mental health clinic and I was like, oh no, <laughs> this, is, this is not for me. Um, and, and then I worked at, and I, and I said, this isn't for me because of the structure of it. Um, you know, when you work in certain environments, the, the bureaucracy is, is different than, is separate from the work, the clinical work that you're doing. And that just wasn't an environment where I felt like I could thrive. Um, and then I, I worked at a uh, graduate school type program uh, program for the government. So it's a, it was a it was an organization, an educational institution that really just catered to the government, um, and they were uh, working with some grants for some other programs. And I worked with them with developing some health and wellness stuff. And it was great. I loved it. I really enjoyed it. Um, things I'm really passionate about. But at the end of the day, I truly felt called to work in a space where I could pray with my clients. I could use scriptures with my clients. Um, I could, you know, talk about the component of their faith. Uh, as well that that's that's helping or hindering their mental health journey so for me I it it just became abundantly clear that um that this is where God was leading me this is what I I felt the most passionate about and in having the book out there it also in talking about my own journey it also gave people an opportunity to talk to me openly about their mental health issues um, and their faith and knowing that, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's nothing wrong with seeing a therapist. There's nothing wrong with medication if that's what's uh, being recommended for you, that you can work on your healing uh, outside of the church. And you can even invite the church or invite your faith into your healing journey. And so what God had put on my heart was to be in the center of the city. Now this, I had some resistance about, I was like, God, I cannot be in the center of the city because, <laughs> you know, I have a, like the name is a very Christian, like everyone's going to be like, okay, is this a church? Like what's happening? I'm like, okay, God, I can't be like downtown, downtown. <laughs> Um, so my office is like a block away from the White House. And um, oh, wow. I was like, okay, God, are you really going to put me here? And what God has shown me was that there are people, his people, his children that are in these places, in these buildings that need this as an option. They need to know that on their lunch break, they can come and have a session with someone that is comfortable with incorporating their faith into the clinical work that they're doing. And, you know, I'm so grateful that God allowed me to see that, you know, once I was able to push past my own fears about it um, 
and he just opened the doors for me. And I'm, I'm, it's been four years. I, I don't have my exact start date. So I, <laughs> I think it's been about four years um, of doing this, this, this work in this specific way. And um, it's been, it's been a blessing. Wow. Remarkable. I um, you, you share so much, but one of the pieces that stood out to me, because um, if you, if I haven't talked to you about this, I um, love helping women to release their fears. So mm-hmm. to hear you say, I had to push past my own fear, basically mm-hmm. about how I think this should look, where mm-hmm. I think it should be done, mm-hmm. um, to serve the people that I've been called to serve. And because sometimes, a lot of times, uh, we can get in our own way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially in walking in purpose. It's like, we walking in purpose. I'm doing what God called me to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but are you doing it with by releasing your fear versus mm-hmm. trying to put your purpose in the box mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and living a very um, regimented mm-hmm. life um, that is full of fear. Mm-hmm. But how can we really reach the people we're called to reach if we don't even release our own fears mm-hmm. and on that it's a journey we continue to release them it's not it's not a one-time deal mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it is not a one-time deal so and you know you releasing your fears being so close to the white house um seeing folks who uh, people may not even know come through your doors right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um how is wellness, mindfulness, and productivity connected? And I mm-hmm. ask you this question because, especially with living through this pandemic, mm-hmm. uh, civil unrest, just mm-hmm. a lot of hatred, right? Mm-hmm. Especially towards um, Black people really start, uh, I mean, it didn't start, but other folks start to become more aware of issues that we know mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. Um, and how that affects Black people in the workplace around productivity and how do you take care of yourself working from home and maybe juggling mm-hmm. other hats too and being more mindful <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and probably working overtime because trying to um, say you know I'm being efficient I'm being effective Mm -hmm. even though Mm -hmm. we we are living through Mm -hmm. so much challenging and not and and still wanting to be productive Mm -hmm. so I I I noticed that during this time I tried to overcompensate Mm -hmm. because I'm home with my children homeschooling and doing Mm -hmm. this and doing that almost Mm -hmm. to a point of burnout and Mm -hmm. that definitely affected my wellness Mm -hmm. Um, so I wanted to get some information from you on Mm -hmm. that piece yeah 
Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so yeah, I see them as all being being connected. I, I see productivity um, being very much informed by your wellness, your ability to care for yourself impacts your productivity. And so I think a lot of times we have a lot of pots burning at the same time and don't realize that it's costing us something, you know, um, we kind of just deal with what's urgent or getting things done. But if we're not thinking about how we're incorporating our well-being or, you know, do I need to say no to this thing, even though whatever it might appear like, you know, they, the person may be disappointed or it may not look like I'm on top of my game or whatever other people's perception of your no is, it's realizing ultimately you're the only one that can uh, make that decision. Uh, most companies are not thinking about people's well-being. They're thinking about productivity. <laughs> They're thinking about, can you get this job done and how quickly uh, but they're not thinking about the cost that you are incurring. Um, that could be your physical health, emotional health, spiritual health. All of those things could be being impacted, which means that your productivity will eventually decrease, right? And so this is actually an area I was extremely passionate about in grad school, specifically working with employers on making sure that they took care of their employees, their most valuable assets. Um, and to do that means you have to care about what people care about and what they need. And for me, after having my stroke or mini stroke, um, I had to really listen to my body. Like I, I couldn't, it would be costly for me to go at the same pace I was going before. Um, so that's where meditation comes in for me specifically. Um, and mindfulness is a form of meditation, but I practice uh, Christian meditation. And what I would do is I would start my day with the meditation. And that kind of allowed me to check in with myself, how am I feeling? It checks in with my body. I'm, I'm slowing down enough to listen to whatever God also wants to tell me um, for the day or remind me of or bring to my attention, um, creating just a little bit of space for that connection to happen, that grounding to happen. And I found that to be extremely helpful in my productivity because I have more clarity on where I need to put energy, what I need to focus on, what I may not need to focus on, what I can you know, maybe schedule that later or change a few things to, to adjust my schedule. Uh, so that connection, the meditation for me is what currently is helping me anchor myself so I can have a better wellness practice or uh, meditative practice, which I believe ultimately increases productivity because Productivity, it can, you know, is not, is not being busy. To me, productivity is doing the thing that God asked you to do in the time he asked you to do it. And because there's a reason. And so 
um, rest could be productive because rest could be what God is asking you to do in the time that he's asking you to do it because he has a purpose for it. Um, and so I, you know, I look at it as very much interconnected. Um, so I'm not sure if, if that answers your, your question, but that's how I look at it. Definitely. And we, we talked a lot about like rest and Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's dig into um, Sabbath season, a call to rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that, was that your first book? Yes. Mm-hmm. So your first book and in a world where grinding, hustling, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I don't sleep, team no sleep, <laughs> uh, it's glorified, right? Right, right. It's glorified, and mm-hmm. your book is about rest, mm-hmm. like, which goes against culture, Yeah, which goes yep. against society, which goes against the capitalistic system, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Because it, we got to make that money. Mm-hmm. What um, have people said about your book? that read it um what were, and even as you were writing it um what were some aha moments mm. wow yeah um the first question was what have people said about the book mm-hmm. um yeah I, it's it's so much more than than just rest in the the you know I think of the Sabbath really as an act of obedience. Um, it's, it's so spiritually profound, like to participate in the Sabbath in the way that God is calling us to participate in it is a blessed experience. You know, it's, it's a beautiful experience that unfortunately a lot of people don't get to connect with. And I think when when I've read people's um, uh, reviews or people have reached out to me personally, I think it's just bringing that back to the consciousness that really what people are telling you, this grind culture and and hustle culture is, is ungodly. It's ungodly because that is that was not a part of God's original design. The Sabbath and the rest that God invites us into was present before sin entered the world. So it was it was a part of God's original plan for all of us to experience his rest. And it has nothing to do with what we do. It has everything to do with what he wants us to enjoy about his creation, about him, about how he is the source of everything, about how he is our provider, that all of the provisions that we're seeking in the flesh are things that he wants to give us in the spirit, you know? And so he's, he's wanting us to connect with that part of, of who he is. And um, it's unfortunate that a lot of people don't understand that and don't get an opportunity to experience it um, honestly until they're forced into rest and that could be they get sick or they lose their jobs or something happens and you have to rest mm. Mm. 
That was good. That was good. So what are maybe three tips um, someone can take away from learning to rest or in mm-hmm. addition to maybe how, how does even before that, how does one start? Mm-hmm. Like say for mm-hmm. instance, you, you like, well, I've, I've been taught to work, work, mm-hmm. work, work, work. I've taught to perform and mm-hmm. to show up and to be mm-hmm. early and to stay late and mm-hmm. to, and to do all the things for everybody and leave myself out. Where does, where does one start? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I definitely would start, encourage people of faith to start by looking at what God says about it. Um, it's such a beautiful place to live into and to lean into, um, because you're in alignment with God. When you enter into the Sabbath, the scriptures literally say that it's blessed. It's a blessed day, (laughs) literally. Um, and when you honor it and you observe it, um, it comes with with blessings. It comes with things that God has, has just attached to you making the decision to enter into his rest. So I would encourage people, if you haven't studied it, to, to study it out, um, just to have a biblical understanding of it. And then I would also say, like, to try starting with some, maybe some digital detox, you know, like maybe on one day on the weekend, maybe doing a half a day without being connected to anything um, and embracing the boredom that can come with just not having anything grabbing for your attention because you're gonna learn that there is a rich, full life, that inner life, that inner sanctuary. There's a rich, full life that's not connected to this earth, that's not connected to um, the things we have created, that there's a spiritual spiritual world, spiritual um, grounding, spiritual connection that happens that is so rich and full and vibrant. Uh, but a lot of times people are afraid of that silence and stillness because of what is going to come up. And what is going to come up a lot of times is things that are repressed, things that we don't really want to hear, or we don't want to hear what God really has to say about that, that area of our lives. And so, you know, we can use the busyness and the noise and the, the, the hustle mode as a way to avoid that deeper connection with God. Mm, that's good. That's good. So what about the person that's like, okay, you know, I I do a, a digital detox mm-hmm. on a weekly basis or an annual basis or however. Mm-hmm. I'm in therapy, mm-hmm. um, but I still uh, feel like I wrestle with resting mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I've mastered this level of rest. Because it could be levels to this. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Um, you know, I, the practice, I, I, first I would say it's really a lifestyle. So it's not like a, a one-off thing that you do. Um, and just like any practice that we have in our lives, 
uh, it's, it's a gradual thing that we grow into and it becomes more and more integral part of our lives. And so for the person who's struggle, struggling with resting, you know, I would say that you, you may want to look at rest in the other ways in which you can rest. Other ways, meaning maybe you don't respond to all your text messages right away. Maybe you don't, you have a cutoff point at your emails at five o'clock and you don't, because we don't think about those things as rest, but it takes a lot of energy to always be on. Mm -hmm. And so maybe it's inviting, I would call them like micro rest or, or moments of rest throughout the day, the way in which you build your day. And then create larger opportunities for rest, like maybe a day without any media or a day without talking to anybody. Now, this is this is high level right here. <laughs> this is next level, yes. <laughs> you know, like a day where you're not talking and maybe it's a day where you're just creating, you know, and that's a form of rest because you're using the energy to, to do something that you feel connected to if you paint or you write um, that you're using that energy that's more in alignment with who you are so the work doesn't feel like labor it's it's a flow that comes from you and it's not draining and so I would say look at different ways um, to rest until you can get to a place where you can be comfortable in that uh, more passive rest, you know? So yeah, so it could look like maybe taking a, uh, if, if you practice yoga or if you're comfortable with that, that practice, it may be doing something like that. That is a form of a little bit more active rest. It's a little slower. Um, it could be going on a walk or a, 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 a um, less intense hike. It's slowing down enough. So it's not like shifting from total busyness to like zero where you're inactive you're not doing anything so I would I would encourage that person to think about different things that they can do that's a little bit slower until we can get to that place that we're trying to get to of being comfortable with stillness and silence uh, for longer periods of time mm -hmm. that's so good Nicola oh my gosh so you all heard um the the call to action already is to mm -hmm. rest mm -hmm. uh, to find ways to rest so um and and if you are a person who takes the sabbath and rest already to continue to practice and maybe go deeper into your practice I want all of you all listening to pull out a sheet of paper or whatever note-taking device you have and write down three ways in the next 30 days that you will challenge yourself uh, to rest. Mm -hmm. and, and then as you go along that 30-day journey, write down how you feel about this experience what comes up for you what bubbles up for you so let's do that Nicola how can people find you and uh, get connected with you 
Yeah, sure. I am on Instagram at Kahila Restore. So K-E-I-L-A-H Restore, R-E-S-T-O-R-E. And I'm on Facebook as well. I have a uh, self-love group um, on Facebook uh, for it's a a Christian Women's Guide to Self-Love. If you're interested in that, um, you're more than welcome to join. You can just search that on, on Facebook. Awesome. And where can they find your books as well? Oh, I'm sorry. I couldn't hear you. I said, where can they find your books? Oh, yeah, sure. Sure. You can find them on Amazon. They're all on there. The Sabbath season is available in uh, paperback and on Kindle. And then the other books are just available in paperback. Awesome. So search Nicola K. Brown. Um, Thank you so much for sharing time uh, with me today and sharing. Thank you so much. Yes. And your experiences and just opening up what's behind your smile with us. (laughs) I stand in gratitude for you and all that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure, pleasure being here, being with your community. And I'm really excited for what you guys are going to do in the future. Thank you. Thank you. So you all, if you uh, want to share uh, your 30 day challenge, you can email me at hello at behindtheconfidencemail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Um, and until next time, may you rest well. Thanks for tuning in to Behind the Confidence Mail, the podcast with your host, Bianca Cotton. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. Let's grow our community, you all. Until next time on the podcast. Remember, we all have a story and a journey of what is behind.